The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you this morning to remember Jesus, to be introduced to other believers, to be introduced to his word in many ways, to be satisfied in what he offers and to be equipped to shine your light and let the whole world see. Let me begin this morning with a word of prayer, just asking the Lord for this time where we study his word. Father, we need you. We need you to send your spirit continuously upon our lives to remind us of these truths that we find in your word. May it be living and active for us today. We know there is power in it. May we have soft hearts to not just hear it and read it, but to obey it. And Father, right now, I thank you for Jesus Christ that has freed us from our sin, that we even desire to know this text, to know your word, to know you, and to get to be in a relationship with you. Thank you for doing all the work. And everyone said, amen. So before we get started in the, in the sermon, I did want to remind us all about next week, we have a time change for our sermon, our service from 10 o'clock to 10.30. And that allows us to do some things at 9 o'clock around here in open discipleship time. And uh, we're going to kick that off. Uh, the men are having a men's breakfast at 9 a.m. So if you are a man or would like to invite a man to this uh, wonderful event, we're going to have some, I've heard, delicious biscuits and gravy. So um, there'll be other options as well. But that's something I don't normally make, and I'm excited about having that before next week. So 9 o'clock next week, we start that off, and then 10.30, is the service time. What time is the service time next week? Okay. All right. All right. All right. That's good. Excited. Um, we, ha- we hope that you have, uh, um, we hope that you have enjoyed uh, this season that we have uh, uh, been working on the building, kind of preparing it for summer ministries, um, getting different rooms updated and ready, and we're going to continue doing that throughout the summer. Uh, we actually have four mission teams, or four weeks of mission teams being here in June. So a couple weeks, uh, Campus Crusade, or crew, is going to be doing some just ministry in the neighborhood, inviting kids to summer camp, inviting people to our church. Uh, so we're blessed to have them. You'll see them as guests here on Sunday morning as well. Uh, towards the end of June, when sports camp happens, Beaver Baptist Church is sending 25 people here to help us put on sports camp. So um, we'll have a full service that Sunday as well, and we're excited to have them. And we're going to have them staying in the building that week. So if you made plans to hang out in the building that week during sports camp, maybe make different plans because we'll have be hosting a ton of folks here. They'll be serving with our kids' ministry, but also we have events every night. And with that week, uh, I just want to invite you all in the evenings, and we'll be sharing this more as we Uh, Get closer to sports camp. We have a training here. We feed them every night. Um, If that's something you want to come be a part of, if you you can't get off work that week, you want to come be a part of that, come here in the evenings. Be encouraged by what God is doing. Uh, We baptized eight students last time we had sports camp, and I hope the Lord brings another uh, beautiful harvest of more people coming to faith in Christ. I know many of those kids was even our kids, many of the kids that are part of our Sunday school classes and things that they made decisions last year, or two years ago when we got to have sports camp. So that's coming up June 21st through the 24th, just let you guys know that. And the week after that, we have a team from Arkansas coming in just to do 
building rehab. One of the things we're going to be possibly doing is that uh, little classroom that's in the gathering area. We're going to be removing those walls and just having one big open room. So we have a construction team coming in to help us do that. So that's the week after sports camp. If that's something you have a hammer or two around and you'd like to bring those one in each hand, let's have some fun up here, right? We're going to figure that out. Or come and learn something because that's mostly what I do in those kind of scenarios. So, um, so month of June, there's lots of things going on. Mission teams coming and serving alongside us. Uh, be praying for them. Be thankful for them. Uh, it, is, um, it is a sweet season that people are taking a week off of their work to come and spend time in our community. Well, this morning we are in 1 John. So if you have a Bible, it'll open to 1 John chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible and like to follow along, and, and we will, of course, have slides up on the screen, Lord willing. The computer doesn't crash, but our hope is, is that you always have a Bible in front of you. Um, you can always kind of go up and down in the passage that we're studying. Uh, most of the time, 98% of the time, we're just preaching through books of the Bible here at Neighborhood Church and listening what the Holy Spirit would have for us. And we are in First uh, John 2.15 today. And if you don't own a Bible or know somebody who needs a Bible, uh, feel free to take one of those Bibles. We, we replenish them every year, so we just buy more as we need them. But we just hope they're getting to, to, to your friends or even your homes if you need the Scriptures. Last week we talked about um, shining God's love and even just saying that last song about shining His light. And it's this idea from 1 John 2, 8, which you'll see up on the screen here. The darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. So John is writing this letter trying to encourage the churches in Galatia, this this modern day Turkey, this region of northern Mediterranean, to um, not believe the false teaching that is going on in the region, but believe the truth that they have always heard and that the light of Jesus that they first believed in would continue and not be stopped by the darkness. And who he's writing to is for all those that have humbled themselves, put their faith and hope in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, accepted Jesus as their Savior and Lord, and telling them, the light is shining, you have a new identity, you have the light of Jesus in your life, and just know the darkness is passing away. So John's giving us a picture, using light as an analogy of what's happening spiritually. So this old, dark, hard, rebellious heart of stone that seeks to please itself and its own desires has been removed. And the power of God is put in a soft heart, a heart that's that's open, that's full of light, that follows the teaching of Jesus, that's giving. And this is the kind of heart that pleases the Lord. So this morning, John is continuing this message as we move into chapter 2, verse 15. And here's the two options. Will you love yourself first? Desire for yourself and your own desires to be your own Lord and seek your own will with whatever number of years that God gives you on this planet? Or will you love God? And will you love others and desire for Jesus to be your Lord and seek his will and obedience in him above all with the years that God has given you? God is sharing with the church through John the best way to live in the family of God. And it's love 
made known. It's God's love on display through the hands and feet and mouths of Jesus, which is us. But the things of this world darken, right? They hide, they block the true message of the gospel. So let's read together 1 John 2, 15 through 17. We'll just do this in a couple chunks here this morning. 1 John 2, 15 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So what's going on here? John, the disciple, the apostle, is giving instructions to the children. He's like a father, if you will, to many of them. 50 years ago, Jesus Christ died on the cross, rose again. And now the earliest church is only 50 years old, and people are recently starting to come to faith in Christ. And he feels like a father, one of those that followed Jesus personally. And now tens of thousands have come to faith in Christ, and there's wolves, if you will, in the church that have kind of left the orthodox teaching that says Jesus is the Son of God and the way unto salvation alone. And this father figure, John, is writing and hoping to point them in the right direction. Jesus, being the Son of God, is of utmost importance, and the need to repent is sure. But John heard, knew, and was taught by Jesus. Jesus spoke of his relationship with God and the importance of fighting sin wherever Jesus went, and John is following his leader's teachings. And what's John saying from the beginning? Do not love the world or the things of the world. And the word world is used lots of ways in their language as well as ours. And this world that he's talking about is not the planet Earth, though we do find that in Scripture. This world that he's talking about here is not all the people of the world, which we do find that in Scripture as well. But what is he saying here? Well, this world, the way he's using it here, is worldly attitudes or values that oppose God. This is the world that John is speaking of. We see this similarly used in James. This same theme, James 4, 4 says this, You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. And James and John are not talking about being friends with the people of the world. What did Jesus do when he was here? He loved people of the world. He actually was in odds with the Pharisees because he spent so much time with people in the world. But... John is talking about the values of the world and living in contrast to them. So, loving the world versus loving God is where we're going today. And you might think, well, why can't I love both? Well, because both cannot coexist. You can't love God and the world. We even find from Jesus giving us 
this message. Matthew 6, 24 says this, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. John Piper wrote this, love of the world pushes out love of the father. And we just read today, John wrote, if anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. So you might say today, well, I don't, I don't want to love the world. And what does it actually mean to love the world? How, do, how does that play out in everyday life? Well, 1 John 2.16, as we read, says this. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. So we have these three things, desires of the flesh, desire of the eyes, and pride of life. So let's, let's look at those three real quickly. The desires of the flesh. It's this kind of overarching comment of the cravings of the sinful heart. Like this desire to do whatever you want and to not do what God says. It's this overarching phrase of wanting to do wrong. And what is wrong? Well, wrong is anything not done of faith and not following the actions that Jesus would do or that God would have for us. And then he goes more specifically, the desires of the eyes. And we even find this in one of the Ten Commandments, this idea of coveting things, living a life where you want something that's not yours. It almost takes over. You think about it and you crave it. And if you just had that, you would finally come to that point of true satisfaction. And the reason why coveting is wrong is because there's only one person that should be in that space, and that is God. And when we have these desires of the eyes, we see and we want, we see and we want, it breaks our dependency on God. Thirdly, the pride of life and to be proud. This idea of the word life here in, in the Greek has this idea of your possessions, all the things you have. Like, look at me, everyone. Look what I've accomplished or look at the things that I have. Look at my bank account or look at my skill set or look at my car or my house or look at my family. And very rarely does somebody have all those correct, but we tend to have one that we get prideful in. And one thing that we can find, even in Jesus' message, do you know when Jesus talked about not serving two masters? He says you can't serve two masters. He goes on to say you cannot serve God and, anybody know? Money. You cannot serve God and money. Jesus specifically focusing on this, this pride of life, this look what I have, this idea of accomplishments. So, the big word we call this in church and that we see in the scriptures is sin, missing the mark. If the faith in Jesus and following God and living a life perfectly is the bullseye, sin is everything else. And when did this first happen? Well, in the garden with Adam and Eve. Can you guys see these three things in the garden? Those of you guys who know the story? Desires of the flesh, desires of the eyes, the pride of life. These first humans, what did they see? They saw the fruit. There was a craving there. 
And how are they tempted? Well, you could be like God. Oh, I get to be like God? It's from the beginning. But loving the ways of the world, finding your satisfaction this direction is broken and it's incompatible with loving God. And how do we know this to be true? Well, most of us in our own hearts recognize that. We recognize that Adam and Eve or place your name in one of their spaces. Yep, that would have been me as well. Look at how I've lived my life. I certainly would have chosen at some point to choose to be my own God. But what is John saying? John is saying our first point today, straight from John, do not love the world. The more we love the world, the more darkness blocks the light as I connect to last week. As followers of Jesus, we want God's love to be made known. We don't want to push out God's love. That's the opposite of our theme. Our theme this summer is not God's love hidden. (laughs) Nobody's buying that t-shirt. At least not at church. Well, I hope not. We don't want to do that. We want to shine your light, let the whole world see. Sorry for singing for you guys. That was a little silly joke. Okay. If we are loving the world and the things of this world, we're choosing to hide it, our light under a basket. And from children, those of us who grew in church, we all shout, no, we don't hide it under a basket. We let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. My new wrist things lets me do the finger a lot better than before. So thank you guys for praying for me. It's healing up really well. My hope is, is that you will not desire to stay hidden in a corner with your life, but that your desire is God's love made known. And that you would fight off the darkness and not love the world. So the question today, how do I stop loving the world? Well, we say no to the world by saying yes to something better. You got to say yes to something better or the world will keep filling in that spot. Mark 1.14, describing Jesus, early on in his ministry, Mark writes this. Now, after John the Baptist was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And neighborhood church, we're a pretty simple church. We see things that are in a handful of words by Jesus that kind of summarize what we should do for our ministries, and our life, we kind of like to stick on those. So what should we do from Jesus in summary? Repent and believe the gospel. We need to turn from the world to Jesus. So how do I play this out? Well, first of all, you talk to God and say sorry for loving the world. These cravings, these desires where you want to keep doing things that you know are wrong. The things of the flesh, things that oppose God. And sometimes here, I'm a friend to, to, to you in the room, and you're like, well, what do you do as a pastor? Do you list off all the sins of everybody in the room? It's like, you could, right? You guys, I could put my list there too as well. 
But the good news is Paul has a list. So I'm just going to read Paul's list. These are the kind of things that we need to fight and we need to say we're sorry for. It's from Galatians 5.19. It shows in the Bible right before the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5.19 will be up on the screen. Now the works of the flesh or the, the ways of the world are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Well, that's good. Just throw that there at the end, Paul. Appreciate you. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. There's a lot of things that we as people naturally do. This describes Netflix, right? Like, there's a lot of things that we see and we act out and we think that are funny that are just normal in the world. The problem is, are you thinking on these things? Are you acting on these things? Do you desire these things? And when we do, what should we do? Well, we need to admit that it's not the ways of God. It's not loving God, but it's loving the things of the world. And Jesus said, repent. Turn from worldly living, worldly thoughts, and turn to Jesus. Righteous things, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. So it starts with a heart of remorse that says, we're sorry. And Paul is even using this consequence here. If you follow the desires of the flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. It's a big deal. Secondly, from my own experience, not only having that remorse and those feelings of repentance is finding others who love me. Finding others who love me more than I'm loving myself at times. That when I'm cloudy and I'm not seeing things the way I should be seeing, that I can uh, ask for help. Have accountability in my life so I don't stay on some island somewhere and fall to a place where I don't make it to the end. Where I don't run the good race. Do you have people that you're willing to say, I need some help. I want to fight the good fight. I want God to say to me, you good and faithful servant. But he doesn't require for him to say, and you did it alone, plus one. He doesn't say that. He wants us to do it together. James 5.16 reminds us, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working isn't it cool the way that what James is saying here, the righteous person is praying for you. Find righteous people in your life to pray for you. Because maybe in that moment, you're not the righteous person. Let's pray for one another. If this love for the world was easy for you to stop, you probably would have changed a long time ago. And there's probably plenty of those things in your life. But there's probably a handful of things that keep showing up monthly or weekly or even daily. Almost all of my past victories, and if you've been in my, my discipleship groups or 
or any sort of Bible studies that I've been a part of these last five or six years together, you know this. All of the, the big rocks that have just continued to th- hit me in the face, all of those have slowed down or ceased through community. There is no major sin pattern I've ever fought since I've been a Christian as a teenager that I've just said, yep, I took care of that one by myself. And I'm going to assume I'm not alone in the room. But you've got to be in community. First of all, have some remorse, enough remorse that you can actually go find some help from the Spirit of God and from others. So this is what John is saying in verse 17. This problem that we might have consequences if we don't stop loving the world. He offers us a warning and a reward. Let's read this together. 1 John 2, 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. So point number two this morning. Loving the world will end. There's a point where loving the world will end because the world is passing away. If you're loving the world, you're going to be disappointed. Jesus said, store up yourself treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy because this world's going to end. The story of the prodigal son reminds us a young man who got his inheritance and left. And guess what happened when all his money was gone, all those wonderful friends that were there? When his money was gone, the friends were gone. This is all of us as we seek the world. It will end. It's temporary. So where are you wasting your life on temporary things right now? Where are you finding your satisfaction that not only brings you guilt as a follower of Jesus, but it's wasting your time? What does John say? Whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is the reward side. So this is our third point for this morning. Loving God will never end. Amen? Loving God's never going to end. So I don't end with this. Not just telling us to stop doing something, because that doesn't work. Because there are many things that in the moment, they're quite enjoyable but they end up breaking relationships all around you. They end up messing up your relationship with God for a day or a week or for some years. John is telling us the world is passing away, but God wants you to be with him forever. So how do we best love God? Well, we abide in Jesus forever. Verse 18 through 23, John's defending, saying, Jesus is the Son of God. He can be known. If anybody teaches you anything different, they are wolves and they are liars. But in verse 24, he continues, let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. This is the reward. 26. I write these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. 
But the anointing that you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need that anyone should teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about everything and is true and is no lie, just as it's taught you, abide in him. Abiding, what is this word? It's resting. It's living dependently on God and God alone for your satisfaction. The loving father, as Rivers reminded us as we started today. And this is better than anything this world can offer. And yes, a relationship with an eternal, perfect, powerful God, the creator of the universe, does not seem to satisfy as fast as that thing that's on your mind right now. But living a life and a relationship with God where you grow an understanding of the forgiveness that he continues to give, his arms are open, that he's the father that runs to the prodigal son. A relationship with a person, a God like that, defeats any of these weak satisfactions that we're seeking. As we follow Jesus, grow in a relationship with God, we obey his commands you will find that he is a strong tower you can run to when you're in pain. He's a cornerstone to start your life over again and to build it from something that makes sense. It's an anchor that when the storms of this life come, that you have this solid foundation in the deep. And this relationship of relying on God will be thousands fold over anything this world has to offer. And they're at odds. And for, for thousands of years, mankind has tried to love God and the world side by side, but they cannot coexist. These two masters are at odds. But love made known can happen when you say no to the world and yes to God. And for many today, this is a reminder. And this for John, this is a reminder to the church. And you came to church today, to hopefully to be reminded of the truth of the gospel. That your sin is not too far away. That God has said you've done too much. Jesus died on the cross for all the sins of the world. Today, repent. Today, and turn to the gospel. Remember the truth that you once learned, that you once agreed in, or agreed to. That the Jesus of heaven has died for your sins. He has risen again in power and shown you that he wants to be your God. And living like this, living for God alone and saying no to the world, you're probably going to find there's some contrasts in life. There's going to be some signs of contrast. And, and Paige Brown gave this story about condensation and say, from my perspective, you have a cold Coke Zero in the summertime. <laughs> Sounds good, doesn't it? Sorry, I can't hold it and not drink it. Okay, it's one of my lists of things. Okay. When you see condensation, what you see is a contrast. There's a cold liquid inside. There's a delicious cold liquid inside a can. Insert your favorite pop. And in this can is cold. Outside is summer heat with humidity in it. And when that heat 
gets close to the can, what happens? Well, the air cools down. And when air cools down that has water in it, believe it or not, there's water everywhere, what happens is that water forms from gas to liquid, and we call it condensation. And what does this show? Well, it shows there's a difference. What's going inside the can is saying, I'm going to be cold. And what's going on outside the can is like, I'm going to be hot. And where the two meet, there's a sign of difference. And my hope for you is in your life, if you're choosing to be all for God, God alone, I love God. No to the world. That there's going to be signs in your life that are going to feel there's something different there. There's a barrier of oddity. And when you feel that, sometimes it feels like persecution. But oftentimes in the scriptures, you know what, what there's a reminder of? That persecution is a time to rejoice. Why is that? Because it shows that you're living for God in a world that doesn't care about him. So maybe our symbol today is when you open up your can of choice drink this summer and you see that condensation begin to form, that maybe for you, you can consider your own life. God, am I running hard after you enough that there's actually something in contrast to the world? Is there anything different about me? And if not, my hope is, is that you will Find out why that is. And maybe there's repentance in your future or there's some running and loving God that needs to increase. But as I close, nothing I've said today makes you a Christian. The only thing that makes you a Christian is humbling yourself and saying, God, I'm not good enough. I'm ready to live a life of repentance under your kingship and you come under his authority as your savior, the one who died on the cross for you and your sins and your Lord, the one that you're gonna be obedient to. That's what gives you the light. What we've discussed today is how do we remove the darkness? In review, point number one, do not love the world. Point two, Loving the world will end. And point three, loving God will never end. And I want to read 1 John 2, 7 once more. Whoever does the will of God abides forever. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for this reminder today. We are sorry for the areas of our life that we are saying no to you and yes to the world. May this morning be a day where we put a flag in the ground and we say no to the world and yes to you. We know this life is a life of repentance. May we grow in our relationship more and more and more with you so that there's a constant contrast that we meet with love. Your love made known is our hope. We ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.